Hello, and welcome to Data Learners, where we learn about data science. Woo! Woohoo! Hello, sir. How's it going? Oh, that's good. Don't call me sir. I'm younger than you. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> what have you been up to? Oh, stuff. We did a jigsaw puzzle before this. We attempted a jigsaw puzzle. We finished the edge of the jigsaw puzzle. Some of Mostly. the edges <laughs> of the jigsaw puzzle. It was rough. Okay, what's what's our um wow, what's our topic for today? Uh well, I want to know how you're getting started with your data science project. Mm -hmm. Uh how you're setting up your computer to do data science. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a big one. Um Okay, so the project I'm working on right now, or like I've decided to work on and do, is correlating Oakland parking ticket data, like addresses, the amount of the ticket, how often tickets happen, um, which is actually provided for free um, by the city of Oakland, which I think is really cool, to neighborhoods and the incomes of those neighborhoods. And like my goal and purpose of that is to see like, are we taking more money out of lower income neighborhoods regardless of whether it's like structural or like there's more street sweeping or people have driveways or not but are we taking more money out of lower income neighborhoods than we are higher income neighborhoods and like a big part of that obviously is going to be like population density i don't think it should matter how much like if people have access to covered garages or something like that i don't think that should be a thing that i worry about yeah, that's an interesting problem. I mean, you can definitely set it up that way where you're looking at the features of the demographics of a neighborhood and predicting number of tickets per square mile or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. As to what that indicates and what conclusions you can draw from that, that's a little trickier because if you want to disambiguate like that number, of disambiguate. number of garages from you know th that's basically the late what we would call a latent factor it's like you mm -hmm. don't have that data and that could be in what's impacting your target variable mm -hmm. well i think i think i can figure out how often these street sweeping on a street like if there's like two tickets for not moving your car for street sweeping in the same week i can figure out okay they do it twice a week you know or like on these days like that's something i can figure out from just the open parking ticket data oh definitely but just looking at like how often tickets are done I don't really, yeah, like I was saying, I don't think that driving garages should matter because my, my purpose is to see, like, how much money are we taking out of lower-income neighborhoods with parking tickets as opposed to higher-income neighborhoods. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm saying I think you will find that relationship, mm -hmm. but you can't necessarily conclude that there's a causal link between low-income neighborhoods and, well, between that neighborhood, yes. You can't say that it was caused by or specifically targeted to low-income people because of what you're right, saying. It's higher, it's higher density. Correlation. Like, how do you control for population density and for right. like cars per garage? Like you don't. And so I can like account for population density because mm -hmm. I think that there are numbers on that um, with the Census Bureau and also in open data that they provide. Um, yeah. But like I'm not really even looking to do cause and effect because I don't think there is a cause and effect. I don't think that if you're in a lower-income neighborhood that you're cause to have more tickets i think there's a correlation definitely that you're just more likely to get a ticket if you live in a lower income neighborhood because maybe they do street sweeping more often or they police it more often or they're more likely to give you the ticket instead of pass by your car and be like ah whatever okay but you I know get, i get what you're saying i just take issue with the word because 
Yeah, I'm saying it's not caused. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm saying it's correlated, which is different. Definitely. Yeah. Correlation does not equal causation. Okay. That's what I always tell <laughs> so, my boss when I come to the office late with a coffee in my hand. That's good. Late with a coffee? Yeah. Like, they think I'm late because I stopped for a coffee. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't get the joke. It's, it's a joke, yes? I guess not. Okay. <laughs> so... So that's the project I want to work on, but the question is, how do you do that, right? How do you, like, go through all this information and, like, pre present some, like, actual conclusive, like, evidence of the correlation, not the causation, what it is. And so, like, what I've done so far is I've set up my little, like, workstation on my computer. I took a Python for everybody from Coursera course, which is, like, good for, like, learning how to use Python learning how to scrape information off of a website. And I've found some data sources, but I've like run into a problem, which is one, I don't quite know how to do like data visualization at this point. I don't know if I'm doing my databases, like creating databases in a very efficient way that I want to use in the future. Like right now, the way that Python for everyone does it is they say, okay, use Python, in relationship with SQL, send commands from Python to SQL to create databases, relational databases. Who's everyone? What Python you... for everyone? That's the name of the course. Oh, okay. It's, it's not like that everyone does it this way, but oh. that's just the name of the course. Okay. I guess we're advertising for Coursera now. Uh, maybe they'll pay us one day. One day. <laughs> one day. So that's, that's kind of where I'm stuck, is like, I don't know how to like... I can make really easy databases and I just don't know how to use the databases, I guess, at this point. I think I can probably like map out a plan for doing the math and like, you know, counting up numbers of like tickets per street per date. But I don't quite know how I would turn that into information that's easy to look at. You basically wanted to like plot income on the x-axis and tickets on the y-axis and show likelihood of ticket per capita this inverse relationship where as income increases like tickets go down well i don't necessarily want to go into it thinking it's an inverse relationship i want to go into it and just say like what's the relationship because i don't want to like turn the math that i do into something that just affirms what i already believe yeah it might do that which would be okay i guess i would prefer if i was proved wrong in some way but my intuition says that i probably won't be on this one yeah no i'm just saying don't even start with a statistical model right your first thing was oh i don't even know how to visualize the data so mm -hmm. just make a scatter plot of those two data points how do i make the scatter Ah, so now we're getting into like what libraries and packages yeah, to use for like, for data science. How do I do data visualization? I think that's the term for it. There are a number of Python packages that specialize in drawing charts and plots. Okay. Yeah. So which, which ones do you find are the most helpful for you? The one I have the hots for right now is Seaborn. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Seaborn? Yeah. Why Seaborn? What's so special about Seaborn? So the old standby was called matplotlib, and it just required really verbose code to draw a simple chart 
On so you just flip- gotta like to write a ton of details in mm-hmm. your code. Yeah. Which seems like a pain. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. On the flip side, it's highly customizable, so you could get mm-hmm. exactly the visualization you wanted. Mm-hmm. I think with Seaborn, they just made the language a lot more concise and abstracted away a lot more of that code, basically saying, we're going to give you already a really visually nice plot so you don't have to set all the default fonts and colors and backgrounds and whether you want a dotted line or not. Right. They're just going to give you something. You can still change that later if you wanted to. Gotcha. So they give you the nice plot. They start you off somewhere. And yeah. if you want to change it, you can change it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to construct everything from scratch. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That seems wonderful. So Seaborn, spelled how? S-E-A-B-O-R-N. Oh, like born in the sea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's Seaborn. You told me last week, not on this podcast, but I think just when we were talking, about something called pandas. I did. What yes. is pandas? Okay, so besides you... <laughs> the endangered species, are they? Do you know that they're actually in Japan? There, there's like a shop that dyes your dog to look like a panda. <laughs> of course, there is. Yeah, I was listening to that. I'm like, wait, wait, don't tell me. That's pretty great. Yeah, mm-hmm. we should start one like that, but make them look like raccoons. Do people want that? <laughs> like raccoons are great, but do they want raccoons in their houses? <laughs> Anyways, so, <laughs> so yeah. pandas. So pandas. What, what is pandas? It's a Python package for manipulating data frames. So a data frame is a tabular set of data that contains rows and columns, which is the format that you need for most machine learning models. So not using something like SQL. Right. So Just you using... don't need to use, you don't need a separate database at all. Why Why do people, then why is this course about using Python and SQL? What's the point of that? If That's why I asked pandas? you, who's everyone? Because you were saying that everyone told you that the way you do it is you get the data out of the SQL database. And I well, would say, like, that's roughly true if you're in a company because, gotcha. like, they software have... applications have those databases to help manage all of the data that's coming into and out of the If you're using different programs and different languages, you have some common, you can all access SQL databases somehow. Yeah. So, like, if I were working in a different language, it'd be harder to access the pandas databases. Yeah, so they're not databases. They're just a data representation. Okay, and that's fine. Okay. It's just like you're using arrays and dictionaries, basically. Yeah. Basically. You can think of it like that. It's built, it's like... I hear in the back of your voice, but it's not. (laughs) (laughs) No, sure. A data frame is, you can think of it as an abstraction of an array. It's okay. a 2D array. Gotcha. Right? Okay. How is it not? Why not? Okay, so that's all That's all it is. Okay. Whereas the database kind of connotes all this other stuff that you really don't need for just a simple one-off data science project. Okay. So I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm happy with that. with that. You so use you need, pandas. You need pandas. Do you use pandas at your company? Oh, yes. Okay. Do you guys use SQL at your company? Oh, yes. Okay, so these are good skills to learn both of, essentially. Yeah, definitely. They have different use cases. Okay, so SQL is more for, like, if you're working with a lot of other people that work in different languages and have different things to do with the database? Usually you only use a database if you're going to have more data than what will fit on your laptop. That's when you would use that. Okay, and if I'm doing something that's... Well, that's, that's then another question, like... The average laptop, let's say you've got like an i5 and 500 gigs of hard drive space, right? 
Okay. I don't really have a great idea for how much text files turn into space on a computer. It seems like a very beginner problem. No, I think that's a really that's a really good question. Like specification stuff, like for like a project like this, I'm guessing since the way you're talking about it, that I don't need a database. I don't need to store it somewhere else. Depending on how many tickets are given out in Oakland, I guess. You definitely don't. Okay. I bet you you don't even have a gig of data. Okay, I'm happy with that. Yeah. yeah. Did we talk about Adam and Jupiter and stuff like that? We have not spoken about text editors yet. Okay. So what do you use as a text editor? I have used Sublime Text and Atom okay. as just basic text editors. I've also used Jupyter Notebooks quite a bit, which is a different concept entirely. Let me see, let me see if I have this right in terms of what those things are. So Atom and Sublime, basically the same thing. You, you can like write your files and save them into documents and keep your project folders all together. And it's stored on your computer mm -hmm. with and then if you want to run those you have to use your command prompt to run it and get an output basically jupiter mm -hmm. mm -hmm. jupiter notebooks is a um is it online mm -mm. no okay it's in your browser yeah it renders in your browser okay so it renders in your browser you can write programs on there probably not like multiple programs are you calling into other programs with that well, that's an entirely new kind of topic. Like, what is okay. a program? Okay, we'll get there eventually. So, Jupyter Notebooks is something that's that can be in your browser, and you can, like, run it inside Jupyter Notebooks mm -hmm. and see what your outputs are, what kind of errors you get, where the program broke down. It kind of is better for editing as you're creating. Yeah. I think the key differentiator is that you can run cells which are basically blocks of code and see mm -hmm. the output in line right below that cell so mm -hmm. you can iterate rather quickly and not switch between your text editor and your command line and like look back and forth yeah and you also have the advantage of being able to look at your visualizations right there underneath your code okay the the other thing that i'm still working on is data itself like i can go through i've spidered not spidered, scraped uh, a website that has neighborhoods and income data. Oh, I see where you're getting spider from. What? Web crawling. Yeah, oh, that's, what it, that's what it is. I'm crawling. I'm doing something with the web, so I'm conflating the terms. <laughs> that's cute. I was wondering where you were getting that. I just like spiders. Uh, <laughs> it should be called that. So I, I can find the data with that. One other thing I'm working on is the Oakland parking ticket data they give you, what format to use in it. And last time we were talking about this, mm -hmm. you said use CSV? Yes. So I opened the CSV or downloaded it, and then it just opened automatically in an Excel folder. Yes, isn't that magic? Is it supposed to do that? Is that yes. okay? Okay. that's fine. Okay, so I've got to figure out how to then go through that Excel folder with Python and do something. It shouldn't be a very hard thing to do. Don't go through the Excel file. Like, actually use this .csv format of the file. Okay. Well, what do you mean by go through? You can visually inspect the Excel file much right, easier than a CSV. Like, okay, sure. You can look do that. at the columns and rows and whatever. But you're saying use use Python along with the .csv file. Here's the thing is, every time I click on the .csv, like, every time I download it, in the non-Excel version, my computer is just turning it into Excel. This is just going to be some minutiae to figure out, I figure. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, is it turning it into a dot? Well, I just double click on it. I'm hoping to get like a text file. It just opens as an Excel file every time. That's just something your computer is doing for your convenience. Somewhere on your computer is still the dot (laughs) CSV, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So you find that and you, with pandas, you go find the function, read CSV, Mm -hmm. give it the file path, and it'll open that up into a data frame. That's great. Yeah, that's cool. Pandas, that's why you need that. Awesome. The other thing I have to work on is correlating, not correlating, it is the word correlating, um, addresses to neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. And I have to use, I think, the Google API to do that. So that, I think, is going to be our first project before I get into data visualization or anything like that, is just to figure out how to make a database that draws the relationship between a specific address and what neighborhood it's in. My guess is that I can grab, I can throw the address into Google, pull out the location, like latitude, longitude, and then there's like some sort of boundary per neighborhoods that's given that I can use to... Uh, be like if it's between these two boundaries and latitude and between these two boundaries and longitude it's in this neighborhood yeah that in and of itself is a really meaty problem and i think that's a really good place to leave it like okay. a cliffhanger for is, next week oh is that what i should i'm gonna work on this this week then okay that's my gonna be my big thing is to okay. like make progress on neighborhoods and addresses okay It'd be nicer if someone just already had this done. I kind of want to go back to before getting into like, you're already at the, how am I going to do this? Right? Like, oh, okay. Step one. What are the tools I use? Like, what are the steps I go through? I kind of want to go back and do problem formulation with you. I think the main chunk of what I'd like to do is like, and then there's going to be a lot of caveats to it. Right, like okay, then I have to account for this and account for this and account for this. But the main thing that I want to do is say how many tickets and how much money basically does a certain neighborhood get charged versus another neighborhood? That's that's like the main thing, right? And then there are a lot of ways you can look at how much that matters on a per person basis. Right. You could say, okay, population density or the population of this neighborhood is something the median income or the average income, I think would be a better number for this, is so much. This whole neighborhood makes this much money and we're taking this percentage of money away from them. Right. Versus if you went to like a more expensive neighborhood, you could do it and and you'd say, okay, they have a higher income. They have a lower total income and we're taking this percentage away from them. Um, You could do it that way. So you could do something like. Per $10,000 of household income, how many dollars are spent on parking tickets? Sure. Yeah, something like that. Um, the other way I think you could do that. Is there another way to do that? I think so. So that's a good investigation, like a data analysis or a data exploration. What ways can you ask that question? I think you could potentially take it a step further and try to find causal relationships between income and number of parking tickets. So there's there's a good question. Let's say income causes you to not have a driving a driveway. Mm-hmm. Right? And not having a driveway results in you 
getting more tickets. Does mm -hmm. that mean that your income causes you to have more tickets? Okay, you're right. You caught me in my own web, <laughs> web of causation. Okay. Because there are other things that can cause find you to have a, a ticket find too. Find a correlation between okay. income. I can't believe I did that. Can't find a correlation <laughs> between income and parking tickets. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I think most of what I'm doing is correlation. I think if we want to try to prove causality, yeah. that has you to can. be like experiments yeah. where you have like a treatment group and a control group and like it's not an easy thing to do with something like this. Yeah. Yeah. So in summation. Basically, Workspace is using Atom, Jupyter Notebook, Command Editor, which I'm using, Command Prompt, which is Anaconda, which I'm using. They've got a lot of preloaded libraries, which is what you told me a while back. I don't know exactly how to use those, um, but we're getting there. And then we're also using Seaborn, right? These are the cliff notes for the entire episode. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and my job for next week is going to be to figure out this whole like using Google API to what does an API stand for? Application programming interface. Great. I think that's wonderful for me to know. Using the Google API to figure out the whole addresses and neighborhood thing. Okay. Cool. Sweet. Sweet. We did it. exactly like what exactly sorry I said exactly twice that's fine see exactly it's what fine. you're gonna you said do it four times. I know <laughs> <laughs>